and then Jenny is going to come up and speak. And the reading is from Matthew 21, starting at verse 28, the parable of the two sons. What do you think? There was a man, this is Jesus speaking, there was a man who had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he, he answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Now, which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. And Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. So Jenny, do you want to come up? And let's pray for Jenny uh, as she comes to speak. Why don't you stretch out a hand and uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jenny. We thank you for who she is. We thank you for your love for her. And I just pray you'd fill her with your spirit now. And Lord, help us to have ears to hear, hearts to respond to your word to us this morning. Amen. Thanks. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, like Ben said, I'm Jenny. It's really lovely to be talking about the Bible with you this morning. So I bet that everyone here has that one particular household job that you really, really hate. Above all other jobs, there's one that you just cannot stand. And for me, this is doing the weekly food shop. So I find it really difficult deciding what to cook. I find it really overwhelming when I look in recipe books. I hate going to the supermarket. I just hate the whole process. I'd rather do absolutely anything else. Um, and whenever it's my turn to do it, I always whinge and moan and complain. But last weekend, I discovered um, an absolute game changer for doing the grocery shop. Just like so many things nowadays, there is an app that can do the whole thing for you. So on this app, there's loads of different recipes you can choose from. It makes you a shopping list. It magically transfers this information to the supermarket, who then books you a delivery slot, turns up at your house with all of your ingredients. And when I discovered this last weekend, I was so chuffed with myself. I chose my recipes. I put my ingredients list together. It took me about two minutes. It was beautiful. Um, and then it gave me loads of free time left over to spend telling my husband how amazing I am and how I've solved all our problems, and the whole thing is just completely sorted. So the next morning rolls around. I'm in my kitchen. I'm eagerly looking out the window. I'm waiting for the delivery driver to come and deliver all my groceries to me so I can make these beautiful meals for my family. The delivery man gets to the front door. I let him in. I eagerly take the box from him, take it into the kitchen, open it up to see what I've got. And inside the box, I see eight separate pots of curly parsley, which I've ordered. And I see none of the other groceries that I've ordered. We've got no bread, we've got no fruit, we've got no cereal, no ingredients, just these eight pots of parsley. Um, so I'd made a big mistake. In my haste and my excitement, I'd somehow messed up the order. I didn't have all of my beautiful meals. I spent the rest of the week Googling Wheels that use lots of parsley, if anyone's got any recommendations. I've got loads, so please let me know. And I don't know about you, but I really, really hate that feeling that you get when you've made a mistake. 
I feel it really deep in my stomach, that feeling that you've let people down, that you've made a bad choice, you might have made a bad decision. And this time with the food shop, it's obviously a really small mistake. It's much smaller than many other mistakes I've made in my life. But I still felt that feeling of feeling like I'd let my family down. I'd, uh, I look foolish. I'm incapable of doing a simple job. And I think we can feel this in our relationship with God as well. Sometimes in big things and in small things, when we've made mistakes, we're not always obedient to him, and we really can feel that. But the critical point we're going to talk about today, and the good news before we even start, is that there's no bad choice, there's no mistake we can ever make that could separate us from God's love. Today we're looking at the parable of the two sons. This is a really short parable, but there's lots in it that we can learn. So in the story that Jesus tells, we've got a father, we've got two sons. The father asks both of the sons to spend their day working in the family vineyard. And the first son initially says to the father that he's not going to go to the vineyard. He's rude. He's disrespectful. He doesn't listen to his father's wishes. However, later on in the story, he then changes his mind, and he does end up going to work. On the other hand, the second son initially says that he will go to the field. He's kind of outwardly showing that he's being respectful. He's obedient to the father. But then crucially, at the end, he changes his mind the other way, and he doesn't end up going to work. And Jesus then asks uh, the listeners of the story, which of the sons did what the father wanted? And the answer is that it's the first son who ultimately did what he was asked and went to the vineyard, even though he said he wouldn't, rather than the other son who initially said he would go, but then doesn't. And with the parables and the stories that Jesus tells, sometimes it can be really helpful to look at the context of the story and look at what's happening in the Bible at that point. So with this parable, um, Jesus has, he's been traveling around, he's just reached Jerusalem, he's been gathering crowds to him, he's been teaching, healing, doing miracles. And all of this activity that Jesus is doing attracts the attention of some of the religious leaders of the time, who just before this parable have come to Jesus and kind of quizzed him about what he's doing, asking him by whose authority he's doing these miracles, he's doing all these healings. And in answer to that question, Jesus tells a few different stories that explain how the authority that he has from God works, how his relationship with God works. And this parable about the two sons is the first one of these stories that he tells. So through this story, Jesus is showing that just like the two sons responding to their father, there are two different ways that the people uh, around him at this time can respond to God's calling to them. So they can be like the second son, who outwardly kind of says the right things, but then doesn't follow through. Or they can be like the first son, who initially makes this bad choice, but then changes his mind, turns it around, chooses to prioritize that obedience to his father and that relationship with him. And kind of thinking about the people who are around him at the time, Jesus is implying that there's two different ways that they've responded to God's calling. Um, So he implies that the religious leaders who are part of this conversation are choosing the same way of responding as that second son. Jesus is saying that they outwardly might say they follow God, they might say they're being obedient to him, but ultimately they're not following through with how they're acting. And then in contrast to this, Jesus goes on to compare the way that the first son acts with tax collectors and prostitutes. And he's saying that regardless of what might have happened in their past, any bad choices they've made, 
this group of people has turned around. They've accepted that they're sinners, they're focused on God and the relationship that he has to offer. And Jesus then goes on to say this means they're going to be the first ones to heaven. And this comparison would have been really, really shocking for the religious leaders at the time. Um, In the society at the time of the New Testament, groups of people such as tax collectors and prostitutes were really seen as absolute menaces, real bullies, kind of the lowest people in society, um, people who really didn't deserve any respect at all. And so the idea that they might be the ones who are right and that the religious leaders are the ones who are wrong, that would have been really, really shocking for them to hear and actually really offensive for them to hear at the time. And kind of going on in the passage, it's really clear that it's clear from the reaction that the religious leaders have that they are really grappling with this idea that Jesus is talking about, the idea that he's doing his miracles with the authority given to him by God and by the relationship that he has with God. And the reason that they're really kind of struggling to grasp this concept is because they had a very legalistic interpretation of God. They believed very strongly that the way to please God, the way to be obedient to him, and therefore the way to get into heaven, is to follow lots and lots of rules. And this idea came from the interpretation they had of the Old Testament as being a book of rules that they had to follow, um, and their idea of God as the kind of rule maker and the law enforcer of these rules. But through lots and lots of the different stories that Jesus tells, he really shifts this perspective in the New Testament and really changes this way of thinking. Rather than wanting us to follow lots of rules in order to please him, Jesus tells us that God really wants a personal relationship with us. This is about God the Father rather than God the rule maker. And using kind of parent figures to illustrate some of the characteristics of God is something that Jesus does loads and loads through all the different stories that he tells um, and all of the different parables that he shares. In his stories, you get parents who forgive their children without question. You get parents who welcome their children in no matter what, parents who give their children the very best gifts that they can think of. And the father and son in this parable really, really reminds me of the family in the story of the prodigal son, which is the story where you get the father accepting, forgiving, and even celebrating his son, who initially had disrespected him and disregarded his wishes. And in this particular parable, um, I think that Jesus is saying, this is the kind of parental relationship with God that's on offer for us. God doesn't ask us to be perfect people. He just asked us to follow him and to live our lives by faith in him. And this is just one of many, many, many stories you get in the Bible about imperfect people who make mistakes, who make bad choices, but who are still wholly and fully loved by God. The first son in this story, initially he does make a bad choice. Um, He messes up. But the important thing is that he changes his mind, he chooses obedience, and he comes back to his father. And that initial mistake he made does not separate him from his father's love. So what can we learn from this parable that is relevant to our lives today? Um, For me, I think it's the same question, really, that Jesus was asking the crowds who were listening to this story at the time. The challenge for us is to think about the two different ways that the sons reacted to the father and therefore the two different ways that we can choose to respond to God today. The first option we have is that we can respond like the second son and like those religious leaders. 
kind of outwardly trying to do the right things, but ultimately missing the point about the kind of father that God is and the kind of relationship that he wants to have with us. So kind of in our lives today, this could look like a number of different things. It could look like the times when we try to focus on behaving in the right way to make sure that the parts of us that other people see kind of look good from the outside. And this way of thinking can lead us into being a bit, I guess, self-righteous, a bit on our high horse, maybe being a bit judgmental of others, especially those who we think of as less successful than us. So in the same way that the religious leaders were thinking about the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And I think also like the mistake that the religious leaders were making, this particular way of thinking can lead us into the mistake of believing that our value to God is somehow linked to what we do and what we achieve. It can make us feel uncomfortable when we perhaps fall short of the own, our own standards that we set for ourselves because we think that making any bad choice or any wrong decision can somehow make God love us less, um, which just isn't true. <laughs> but, I mean, it's definitely something that I personally really struggle with. I think what I mentioned at the beginning, that feeling of making a mistake, of letting people down, um, letting God down through actions that I've done. Um, I hate it. I just hate that feeling. Um, and I do absolutely everything I can to avoid getting into that position. But this way of thinking really takes us down a misleading path. It means we're forgetting that we're not trying to be perfect people. God doesn't ask us to be perfect people. We're not trying to earn God's love. We're not trying to earn forgiveness. We're not trying to earn his grace. That's just not how it works. So thinking about that, the other option and the other way we can respond to God is to be like the second son. We can accept we're human. We can accept we're all sinners. We've all done wrong things. We've all been disobedient to our father in many, many different ways. And when we find ourselves in that situation where we have messed up, where we have made a mistake, which we all will 10 times a day, the only thing we can do is return back to God like that son does with his father. We can bring our mistakes to him. We can repent of them. We can let God into those areas of our lives that we might feel ashamed of or feel embarrassed by, uh, where we know we've let him and other people down. And like that first son with his father relationship, we can choose to change our minds and recommit to God. And the reason we're able to do this is because there isn't a standard that we need to meet. There isn't a set of criteria we need to achieve. There's not a list of rules that we need to follow in order to somehow earn God's love. God's love is given freely to absolutely anyone, to anybody who asks for it. God's love is there. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. And there's also no mistake we can make or any distance we can run from God that will ever, ever stop us from being able to come back to him. The opportunities to turn around and come back are infinite. And God's grace is so much bigger than any mistake that we could ever make. God is a loving father. Uh, he's our loving father. He's eager to forgive us. He's eager to love us. He's eager to give us chance after chance after chance. He doesn't ask us to be perfect. He's never asked for that. He's never set a standard that we need to meet. He just asks us to follow him and to have a relationship with him. And there is absolutely nothing we can do that could ever separate us from God's love. Amen. Um, I'd like to ask you to stand if you're able and we'll just pray together.